All right, the red light is on. Actually, I don't know if that portrays me as particularly <laughs> smart. Have you met my auntie pop? A lot's going to come out in that trial. Yeah, we've had all sorts of shenanigans going on this week in the Congress. La Portada podcast with Simon Hunter and Lily Mayers. No, that sounds weird. <laughs> Monkey box. Is that an English thing? I've said, well, I've said oh, it. Oh, you said that. Sorry, we're recording. All right. If they did, yeah. is that legal? Well, that's the next point. ¿Listos? Sí. Vamos allá. Buenas to all our listeners. Welcome to episode five of La Portada, coming to you live on tape from Madrid. My name is Lily Mayers. I'm an Australian journalist based in the Spanish capital, and I'm here with my co-host Simon Hunter, a British journalist who is also living here in Madrid. Hello. Hello. How are you, Simon? I'm good, yeah. We're into the second week of the long summer holiday with the kids. They did a summer camp at the zoo last week, which went very well. And this week we've got my folks here helping out, so we went back to that. We went back to the Casa de Campo. We went to the Parque de Atracciones, the amusement I park. Saw. Got caught in the rain. Yes, uh, it was fun. Like we were saying that day, isn't it nice in Spain how there's never storms in summer? It's just summer, you know. Crazy. And then it just like hurt us and no, it, it came completely down. out of nowhere. And I ended up having an uh, having an argument with that. We got soaking. Me and Matty got soaking wet. My eldest son and we just bought. I feel a bit conflicted about this. We just bought one of those jump the queue passes oh, yeah. uh, for the, for all the rides <laughs> exactly <laughs> and we bought it and it was one of those ones where you're gonna, you, you, they mark it off you go on the ride you can jump the queue on each ride once not the really super duper roller coasters I hasten to add so it is a bit of a con uh, but we literally just bought it and then it started to rain and then they closed all the all the roller coasters because they, apparently oh. they don't break they can't they, they don't they, they, the roller coasters can't stop when the oh. track's wet Surely so you weren't like, angry about that, though. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I was a bit angry about the pass. So I was like, right, look, we've just bought this pass and it's raining and we're wet. We're going to go home. So can we have our money back? And she wouldn't give us the money back. And we had to oh. sort of get the manager involved and everything. He was very nice. Took us into a little office and did give us the money back. But <laughs> it was a bit odd. But it was but it was, it was, was fine. We went on two rides. Two rides. Oh, that sucks to go there. Wow. <laughs> that's that's very disappointing. And it hailed where we were. Yeah. No, it was cold rain. It was nasty. We were completely unprepared. How's your week been, Lily? It's been fine. I also got into a um, uh, bit of a upsetting... Well, it wasn't upsetting. It was upsetting to me. Who have you been fighting? S- well, no. It was a man in a um, paper shop, like a <laughs> stationery shop. I just wanted to print something for my friend's birthday. I wanted to print his card that I'd made him. Right. And I spent so long with this guy trying to like get him down to the counter because he was stocking he was just in no hurry at all and that was fine but then he just took so long and he kept swearing under his breath because he didn't think I understood oh no and so I sort of told him off and I said like I can understand you you know I I know my Spanish isn't great I'm from Australia but I understand enough to know that you're swearing and then that really kind of put him in his place and he didn't help me and then he's he was useless and nice. I ran out of there thinking I'm never going back there legendary Spanish customer service that's right but it's been Pride Week so we're surrounded by rainbows and chueca <laughs> nothing can be wrong <laughs> this 
week on La Portada, we'll be talking about Spain's equality minister and her controversial trip to New York, the return of the San Fermin bullrunning festival in Pamplona, and it's the season, so we're going to give you a rundown of what to expect and how to behave at a Spanish wedding. <laughs> Badly. <laughs> it's the answer. <laughs> Drink a lot. Irene Montero of the left-wing party Unidos Podemos and currently Spain's Minister of Equality has had a tumultuous week in the press, at least, hasn't she, Simon? She certainly has, yeah. She flew to New York last week with a couple of advisors and some ministry officials for business meetings with American groups relating to feminist issues. Along her travels, she was tagged in a number of photos in meeting rooms and in interviews, but it was a photo at Times Square with three colleagues, which has caused outrage as politicians, primarily from the PP, accused the minister of using taxpayer money to fund what they saw as a vacation. Yeah, it's all been pretty nasty. I mean, I'm going to sort of focus here on Podemos and press manipulation, of which we've seen quite a lot this week, and there has been a lot in the past. Um, Now, please listen to this without doing whataboutery in your head, because there's been so much whataboutery uh, this week on Twitter that it's um, just, I've I've really, it's been a tough week to to watch on Twitter. Um, So... Yeah, so Irene Montero is the equality minister. She's from the Podemos party. She is the partner of the founder, one of the co-founders of Podemos, Pablo Iglesias. Um, They have three children together. I mean, there are press reports that they've broken up, but as far as I know, they're actually still together. She's only 34 years old, and she is just this absolute target of some really awful hatred, both in the media and online. Um, Both uh, Montero and uh, Iglesias were harassed for months outside their home in Galapagos that famous house that they bought uh, um, out in one of the sort of kind of city suburbs of, of, uh, of Madrid up in the north and it caused a huge amount of controversy when they bought that house because Iglesias had previously uh, criticised politicians who leave the city and go off and live in mansions you know he's such as he's been such a sort of left-wing crusader that uh, caused a whole lot of trouble Iglesias of course he made it to the position of deputy prime minister in the government but then he made this, that surprise move to quit he ran for the Madrid regional elections and then when you know had a really poor showing just basically he completely bowed out of um, politics saying that he'd become such a target for the sort of dark forces of the Spanish state and he's since returned to the media which is you know really where he started he started in academia and the media and where he seems to be uh, very comfortable causing all sorts of uh, you know causing all sorts of trouble with his uh, radio shows and uh, and similar and podcasts and similar um you know, the, 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 it just kind of has riled me up a little bit to see this this bile that gets aimed at Montero. She's also been attacked in the right wing press for having worked in a shop. Oh my God, she used to work in a shop. She left it on off her CV on the, the uh, transparency uh, portal for the government. She admitted the two years she worked in a, an electronics store called uh, Saturn. Something that uh, not only has she been criticised for, but it, it, it's kind of used as an insult against her, which I just find unbelievable. I, you know, it's but, this thing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's this thing like the, the whole week's been like misogyny, really. Well, exactly. Yeah, and it's it, it's this thing that you know. 
surely having some real life experience, you know, is is good for a politician. And in fact, she quite she responded to the. I'm not even going to name the media outlet that that, that uh, sort of you know pointed to her for having worked in a shop. Um, but she quite you know did quite a dignified response and said, well, actually, it, you know, kind of reminded me of who I am because she's from quite a humble background. Um, it, it also remind it reminds me not not so long ago there was a there was a socialist party minister called uh, Jose Blanco and people used to have a go at him because he didn't have a, he didn't have a degree. It's like oh my god, a minister who hasn't got a degree. Mm. It's like well, is that really necessary? Isn't it more important for a politician to have some sort of experience? We've got so many career politicians in in Spain who've just done absolutely nothing. Mm, it's become the norm. Yeah, exactly. Apart from you know for their party, someone like uh, Santiago Abascal, for example, the leader of Vox, or Pablo Casado, or you know just these these figures who've just never never done anything. So yeah, so the I mean the funny thing about you mentioned the the photo it was the photo of them in Times Square that was like really the the thing that um, you know caught everyone's attention. The, yeah. But if you actually go and look at that photo that was shared by. Um, one of her uh, companions on the trip, Isa Serra, who's the co-spokesperson for Podemos, there's, a, there's about 400 words of text underneath it with her explaining exactly what they're doing on this trip. And it's part of a, a multiple slideshow of them in other meetings. It wasn't like, here we are in Times Square, here we are at 30 Rock, here we are at the Washington State, you know, wasn't it? The box spokesman, Jorge Bouchale, described the trip as a pyjama party in New York and told the women off for exhibiting it because they believe they're untouchable, quote. The photo has been widely compared with a very similar one taken of Madrid President Isabel Ayuso in Times Square last year, which didn't face the same criticism. Radio presenter Angeles, Angels Barcelo asked the PP Secretary General Cuca Gamara about the comparison on Cadena Ser Radio. Did you see that this week? Yeah, Her I reaction did, yeah. was priceless. It was like, oh, no, 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 but that was... Are you so bettering Spain on the international stage? I mean, there can't be rules for some people and rules for others. Exactly, and this is what I mean about the water battery. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's arguably... You know what was Isabel Díaz Ayuso doing in New York? You know, on a on an institutional trip when she represents the Madrid. I mean, that's that's the counter argument, isn't it? When she re- represents the Madrid region. I mean, you know. But also for like for either of them, what isn't it good that ministers travel and see how other governments do things? For and in in any position on this political spectrum, you should exactly. It's almost it's almost like a sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you go and you know take action and do stuff, then people will find things to criticise about the trip. Like mm. for example the use of the Falcon jet, which we'll come mm. on to uh, in, in a second. Uh, whereas if, you know, politicians are just sitting at home twiddling their thumbs, it's like, well, you know, what, what use? And let's not forget that all of the legislation that's coming out of the Equality Minister, uh, Ministry, which we've been discussing in, in, in other podcasts. Mm, the CSC. The CSC, which is about consent, and also the abortion law, mm-hmm. which uh, included that, uh, that, that quite innovative measure about, um, you know, paid time off, paid medical leave for, for painful periods. Um, so, yeah, so the media had a field day, and it was pretty pretty shocking for example Joaquin Pratt on uh, the TV channel Cuatro on his uh, show Cuatro al Día he really went to town ¿Es necesario irte a un viaje no oficial en un Falcon? Es un, es un viaje oficial Venga, Venga Fernando, Fernando un viaje oficial A ver a, a Hablar con quién A ver ¿Puedes discutir o no? 
si estaba justificado o no. Pero que es un viaje oficial, no tiene discusión. ¿Quién decide la oficialidad de los viajes? Bueno, pues se decide en el gobierno. So what he's talking about there, he's arguing with Fernando Garea, who's an old colleague of mine, he's a veteran journalist, uh, and he was basically, and he was swearing and just kind of really, really going to town, uh, talking about the Falcon. Now, this is the part where you could say, okay, maybe mm. an error of judgment on the part of Montero and uh, her companions, because they flew to the States and they flew in the states mm. on this uh, jet which is uh, there's a fleet of them there's not just one these falcon jets are used uh, available to the prime minister and they're available to ministers as well for use on official trips now Pratt in a show of amazing uh, journalistic slackness uh, was questioning whether it was an official trip and of course it was an official trip but he was insinuating that it wasn't I mean they just she met with Gloria Steinem exactly yeah, but it spent two <laughs> minutes that on their free time doing a bit of journalism and doing a bit checking they would have seen it he would have known that it was a it was an official trip he then the next day got his ass handed to him on a plate by a representative of Podemos once uh, you know this is this original um, segment on his show had caused such a stink and Fernando Garea the journalist that I just mentioned I mean he was pointing out that it's normal for ministers to use the jet and it was actually cheaper well they claim it was cheaper for them to have done so and he also pointed out the fact that not all ministers get the same kind of scrutiny for this kind of thing uh, as Montero does. But you say, you know, if he'd done just a little bit of journal journalistic or re any kind of research before saying that, but this whole week was full of those kind of issues, wasn't exactly. it, Simon? Because there was another, another problem that happened after her weekend away in which a video started circulating on Twitter which showed Minister Montero being asked her opinions on the migrant deaths in Malika. And the video showed her reacting very strangely, repeating, if my opinion is sorted, it will be available, things like that, on yep. repeat. Sí, siempre van a poder conocer mi opinión, así ha sido siempre y así va a seguir siendo. Creo que los hechos que hemos visto son insoportables, son tremendamente dolorosos y por tanto tiene que esclarecerse lo que ha ocurrido a través de una investigación independiente y creo que además deberíamos the video had been edited to remove her normal original reply and how crazy is this even the media outlets whose journalists had been there recording her original response started sharing the edited video too El Pais wrote the minister had four microphones a recorder and two mobile phones in front of her but several of these media used the manipulated video in their news programs instead of the full statements that their own journalists had recorded it's utterly bizarre and it does smack of something of a campaign uh, you know yeah, so it, political it, but, takedown well, yeah exactly and it's just so strange but the good thing is, I mean this is the good thing you know, this sort of stuff and all the water battery this week makes Twitter kind of like an exhausting place to be sometimes. But it also helps you sniff out hoaxes and manipulated information like this. There's one user on Twitter in particular called Julian Macias Tovar, uh, and he is the one who basically put together a, a video which Mm, desmontado how do you say desmontado which basically disproved the the manipulated video that was not only going around on social media but was also being used on the news and on the news programs because there's so many of these chat shows on on spanish tv that they just have to fill you know their time so i guess they're keen to jump on any kind of uh, any kind of controversy but on the ana rosa show on telecinco they use that clip where she doesn't give her opinion about the what happened in morocco mm. and then just like spent the next 10 minutes just all 
piling in on her and it also happened on the Onda Cero radio station with Carlos Alcina, uh, the presenter there. Um, and this comes in a week when El País has run a really interesting article mm. um, by one of the heavyweights of the paper, José Manuel uh, Romero. And in it, he basically runs through all of the manoeuvres uh, by members of the then Mariano Rajoy Popular Party government to discredit uh, Podemos. This has come about basically because of this corrupt police commissioner, José Manuel Villarejo is currently in prison uh, awaiting trial and he was doing all sorts of um, sort of uh, dark arts in the background um, falsifying police documents yeah exactly <laughs> but conveniently he kept recordings of all his phone calls and all his conversations which have been coming to light over the years because he's, he's just got terabytes and terabytes of hard drives uh, at his home which have all been uh, now seized by the police mm. and all this stuff is kind of uh, gradually leaking out but one of the conversations that came out this week was between Villarejo and uh, Maria Dolores de Cospedal who is the then defence minister in the PP government and general secretary of the PP and they you know you can just hear them plotting, plotting. Yeah. yeah exactly there's no other way of putting it plotting against Podemos they call him a traitor and a son of a bitch and then you hear Villarejo talking about all of these reports that were basically put together by what was called the patriotic police uh, to discredit Podemos I mean it just goes to show how shook up the um, the you know traditional parts well particularly the PP for them to react this way how shook up they were by the emergence of these new parties such as Podemos mm, and Theodore particularly Thanos. at the time because they were getting really good polling yeah exactly yeah well they did yeah they did pretty well in the 25th well they did the, the Podemos first of all did really well in some European elections then they did well in the general elections I mean I've always found it really you know quite shocking how Podemos have been uh, demonised you know whatever you think of their politics okay you could say they're populists uh, but they've you know they've been painted as the as the devil um, so it just goes to show how the end of the two party system in Spain didn't come about without a fight mm. um, but yeah the uh, Irene Montero has kind of had her comeback later in the week she's uh Basically, uh, she's had a pop at uh, the new leader of the Popular Party, uh, Alberto Núñez Feijó, um, because he famously, there's this picture of him on a boat uh, in the Galician sunshine on uh, on, the, on the sea uh, with a, a known drug trafficker. <laughs> and, oh. that, and that photo has yeah. always come back to haunt him. So he came out and had a pop at her for using the Falcon and for going on this trip, mm. calling it frivolous. Despite the fact that if you go back and look at the record, members of the Popular Party used to use the Falcon to go to party rallies. They yeah. used to fly to party rallies, which is obviously not, that's not a, a matter of government, that's a party matter. Um, so no sort of sense of awareness there. But this it's, is the kind of like, almost like Trump politics. I mean, they know they're being hypocritical. They know they're lying in some cases. And, and obviously when we're talking about these... Um, the, the former defence minister and the former police chief under um, Mariano Rajoy actively plotting and falsifying police documents sometimes they they know what they're doing it's about getting the headline it's about getting like people's general fear of the party up and um, distrust of ministers. Exactly, and then, and then I've seen this happen, and then this stuff gets, and this stuff then gets, you know, converted into uh, memes and photos and messages that go viral on people's WhatsApp. And I've seen this happen firsthand with members of the older generation. I won't exactly. <laughs> I think you can probably guess who I'm talking about, but I've had firsthand, you know, seen this happen firsthand, and, and people believe this stuff. People just believe are more inclined to 
to believe what arrives in their WhatsApp and they than remember, what they see on the news. Yeah, you know. And let's not forget all of these cases, all of the cases that have been brought against Podemos have eventually been shelved. And this certain member of the older generation, uh, the Spanish person who I'm that thinking may of, may or may not yeah, exactly. be related to I, you. I just remember him coming to me with glee every day saying, oh, have you seen this latest case about against Podemos? Uh, I'm still waiting for him to come along and tell me about the uh, cases being shelved against uh, Podemos. So there you go, ran over and uh, yeah, please, <laughs> oh please refrain God, from... Oh God, we're going to get destroyed on Twitter. <laughs> please refrain from any water battery because I will definitely come back and do a similar uh, segment on other political parties, but I just wanted to focus on this this week because it's pretty, pretty shocking. that can be equally as controversial. The Fiesta de San Fermín, otherwise known as the Running of the Bulls or Enciero, is back after a three-year hiatus caused by COVID and travel restrictions. The festival started on Wednesday and runs until next Thursday. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the festival, it's a free race which consists of six wild fighting bulls that chase hundreds of people down an 875-metre course through the narrow streets of Pamplona's old quarter through to the bull ring. It only lasts a couple of minutes because the course isn't long, but it's dangerous. The bulls can gore you or knock you over or trample you, and there have been significant injuries and even deaths in the past. There are some rules. Yes, there are some rules. You must be over 18. You must not be drunk. You must not incite the bulls, and that means not holding onto them as you run alongside them. And you must not carry GoPros or any other cameras when you do the run. Yeah, so it's um, six fighting bulls uh, accompanied by six tame steers, and they're the, sort of the, the animals that guide the fighting bulls. I mean, I I have a real soft spot for San Fermines. I'm anti-bull fighting, but I'm pro San Fermines because it's... But they, they do kill the bulls at the end of the do. day. They <laughs> do. The six bulls, the six fighting bulls, will be killed in the ring at the end of the day, which obviously is problematic yeah. from a... So uh, you would like it if they did the run and then release the bulls after. Exactly. Like they just yeah. let them keep running into release the distance them into the over wild. the horizon. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? They run out the <laughs> other side of the bull ring and into a field <laughs> and just stay there forever. Um, but yeah, I just have a real soft spot because it's just insane. I mean, it's hard to think... Well, certainly... in somewhere like the UK you'd never do anything like this because it would be a health and safety nightmare you'd never do it in the States because they'd just get sued by all of the participants anyone who got uh, someone who would got shoot the ball exactly yeah but I just love it so much I used to have to write the um, you know kind of translate the early morning report for it when I worked at, uh, at uh, El País and I really just got really fond of it first of all let's not forget it's a nine day fiesta so the, these fiestas last nine days which is that's bonkers in it, you know in itself it's a but non-stop fact, party a non-stop the, the, party the, the, the actual race is at eight o'clock in the morning it only eight runs a couple of minutes the rest is just a party I know and to say no you must not be drunk is quite it's like that's yeah. why they have it so early exactly well yeah but if you've been up all night but uh, anyway but and, and funny actually funny enough the thing about the age I just heard this morning and yesterday the first run yesterday uh, a sick one of the people that was injured was a 16 year old and he's had to have a part of his finger amputated oh, how do he, you even get through the exactly well he shouldn't have been there I mean but obviously they can't check everyone that goes into the uh, goes into the run mm. and that's exactly what happened yesterday but I just love the it's 
always broadcast on TVE, which is Spain's um, state broadcaster. I just love the, the the analysis and the drone shots and the slow-mo. <laughs> and it's just, they analyze it as if it was a sporting event uh, afterwards, mm. um, which I just love it. This year, interestingly, on the Curva de Mercaderes, which is the, which is one of the bends on the course, they, they pour this anti-slip liquid on the cobblestones there to stop the animals and the runners from falling over. It doesn't seem to be working no, this year. I know. Have I you seen saw it? that. Yeah. I saw and it happened again this race. morning. It happened again this the morning. The balls sort of slide, slip and sort of crash careen into the corner. Yeah, exactly. Barricade. And, I, uh, you know, I'm sure people listening who think it's so horrible um, might care a lot less about this, but there have been 15 deaths at the San Fernando since they've been running, mostly from goring um, during the running of the balls. But the last, I mean, it hasn't happened since 2009. The time before that was in 2003. There's a really good piece which we'll link to in our little, um, in our little Twitter thread uh, that we ran in English at El País a couple of years ago. It's called what the heck am I doing here? A guide to running with the bulls in Pamplona. And it's um, written by a friend of mine uh, who has got a lot of experience of, uh, of the fiestas in Pamplona. And it's just, it gives you a really good sort of feel for the for the kind of the atmosphere and what makes it so special. And he actually goes into quite a lot of detail about what happened when uh, an American, well, the first American citizen was killed on the uh, on at the San Fermines um, back in 1995. Uh, obviously, it's very, you know, it's very sad when that happens but I mean it's one of those things that people know what the risk is yeah. uh, when the they get in the ring sport. what did you think when you watched it well really? I just wanted to say if you want more material reading material The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway I read this year I, I suppose it's more of a recommendation for our younger listeners who may not be familiar but it centres around the San Fermin Festival in the 20s and it, it is a really good description of not only the festival but Spain's old towns. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful book. Um, and I also read that actually when Hemingway died in Idaho in July of 1961, there were tickets to San Fermin on his bedside table. Aww. I don't know how you'd verify that, but I thought that was cute. Um, I, I personally don't know why you'd do it. <laughs> it just seems crazy. And I guess, yeah, the, the sort of animal rights part of me doesn't like that the bulls I don't like I mean I don't like any animal getting hurt and I don't no. like it when the bulls hit the sides and I don't have much sympathy for people that get gored because yeah you, you know <laughs> what you're getting into when you're running in front of a bull charging at you um I definitely prefer the alternative to the running of the bulls which is the running of the ball or it's called the <laughs> bolentiero in which a 150 kilo to 200 kilo ball is rolled down a hill and it was a festival which started about 10 years ago in Matalpino north of Madrid and I just think that's so wonderful like keep the tradition get scary excitement from it but no animals have to get hurt no, we, I mean there's there's a lot of festivals in Spain that have been phased out because of the use of animals I think yeah. they're slowly starting to get like it the one where, wasn't there the one where they throw a goat off yeah. a bell tower oh, or something there's all like, this sort of stuff yeah. it's real bad <laughs> I did go and see a bullfight because I think you should go and see it to sort of properly be able to weigh, on, weigh in on it because, you know, if it's something that's got such a long tradition and that it's still so popular, I mean, you know, if you want to watch bullfighting on 
or Movistar on the TV channel, you have to pay. I mean, it's you know, and you have to. You, you, it doesn't come, you know, free on the free channels. Um, so it's still a business, and uh, you know, the, and the breeders always argue that well, if they if it weren't for bullfighting, then basically just these bulls would die out because no one would breed them because they're only they're only bred. That's for what my family used to do: breed bulls. Really? In Cadiz, yeah. Oh, really, down in Cadiz, yeah. And in fact, one of the the stock breeders this week at the. Uh, at the San Fermines is, is from Cadiz so I think you have to be you know I think it's a good idea to go along and see you it know, is an art form well no it's absolutely like and I, I, I mean the atmosphere is extraordinary and it was just so so Spanish I mean, this was a long time ago I went probably 2005 2006 but that was enough for me I don't, I don't need to go back mm. and see it again I'll I happily did. not weigh in and not see it no no exactly <laughs> yeah it was yeah I mean it's it's obviously extraordinarily cruel but you do sort of see the um, you know the tradition and yeah. uh, I like it's the something so well. yeah exactly it's something so Spanish Spanish, isn't it? But yeah, I don't think it's going to be. I think it's dying out, and I think mm. bullfighting, as we know it, is going to become more and more of a niche thing until eventually it's just not commercially viable anymore. Mm. Well, if you try to make plans with a Spaniard at the moment, you might find it difficult to pin them down because it's wedding season. Most weekends are booked up with destination weddings within Spain to little towns and friends are always coming back to the city with reviews of the events they've been to. As foreigners, we love hearing about different traditions and expectations at Spanish weddings and Simon and I thought we'd share some with you. Simon, here are some traditions to expect from a Spanish friend of mine, Ulises Izquierdo. He and his wife Maria have had their summers booked with weddings for the last couple of years, and this summer they have another six coming up. Well, basically, like the core of it is that, yeah, you go to a wedding and you expect to be there for, for many hours, just say the ceremonies at one. I would be expecting not to leave the venue before 12 midnight, that is. What I've seen lately in all the weddings I've attended or what I tried to do on my own wedding was to keep some traditions but like give them a twist. I guess it's not that difficult to give a present nowadays. You just put your bank account in the wedding invitation and people just transfer some money, you know, just to cover. It depends on where the wedding is or how close you are to a person, I guess. It'd be like a regional margin of like 100 to 150 euros. One thing I forgot that it's going to happen in every Spanish wedding is people, I don't really know how to describe that in English, actually, um, you would just get your napkin, you know, and just roll it and like just, you know, wave towards the groom and bride uh, with the napkins, you know, so everyone would be dancing with the napkins as if it were like what people do with the bow ties once they're drunk, but well, we do it from the get-go with the napkins. It's just a thing. Everyone just stands out and like starts doing some sort of like Greek celebration, I guess it kind of looks similar to that. <laughs> uh, but I don't know why that is and <laughs> why it happened and why it's been like passed on every, to every everybody, but it's, it's fun. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for the napkin waving. <laughs> I think that's so sweet. I love the napkin waving should be <laughs> done much more, not just at weddings. Yeah, but uh, th- there we go. You also mentioned the money. Now, all of the resp- practically all of the responses that I got were all about the money. Joe Haslam said, "My father was appalled that the wedding invite had an IBAN number, uh, which is obviously the bank account number." He says, "Me, I think this is much more practical than checks and envelopes with cash." Joe uh, Brennan said his jaw hit the floor when he was told that he had to give money in. Instead of a toaster, he said he nearly fell over when he was told how much. 
don't give the newlyweds less money than what they're going to pay for your banquet meal. Yeah, and someone on Twitter called Kiki King, she said, or he, I think it's a she, said, Spanish people are incredibly generous when it comes to wedding presents. My sister-in-law and her husband are still gobsmacked by the posh tea towels they got from some super wealthy English friends. In that they weren't good enough, the tea towels. Exactly, yeah, because, I mean, They were really, disappointed. Exactly, because really you're sort of looking probably now, I'd say, at giving a, a cash gift of around 150 euros per person. Yeah, this is per head. Yeah, per head, which is basically there to, you know, kind of cover your the cover your cost at the wedding and to and and you know, and a little bit more. How strange is that? I mean, I'm from Germany. We have real gifts. We think about them months in advance. We handcraft them lovingly. But I don't know, having had a Spanish wedding <laughs> and having benefited... Did you make money from it? Well, I didn't make money from it, no. But Some families are. Well, yeah, but, but, I mean, bear in mind with ours, obviously there were so many people coming over from the UK that, were, you know, they were incurring like big major yeah, travel, travel costs. Cost. So, I mean, there was no way that we were going to expect or, mm. or encourage those people to 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 give us money. Oh, but we God, did just say... it's awkward, isn't it? It's so hard well, we, no, to we just, we just said honeymoon fund. We said, look, you know, we don't need anything. And this is the thing. Most couples now mm. have been living together for a long time. Totally. don't really need... It's not like before when you mm. needed a toaster and you needed tea towels. Yeah. I mean, now it's just like, yeah, let's all have a massive party together. But hey, by the way, can you help us out? Mm. And we did. We got some really big, you know, we got some big gifts from... from from members of family um, we got some very generous gifts from friends and it does I mean it all helps it all helps out and it means that you don't because you know I know a lot of people in the UK that put off getting married because they can't pay for the wedding they can't yeah, afford totally. to pay for the wedding that they want to have and they have to hang on for it in Spain the average cost of a wedding is around 12 to 22,000 euros according to Statista with some costing over 30,000 euros and yet if they're I suppose all Spanish guests some families are making money <laughs> yeah exactly uh, also i thought this was interesting andrew morris said, uh, said on twitter he said he married a spaniard five years ago he said spaniards don't really do wedding speeches so everyone had sunk their carver on the first toast from me before it even got to other speeches uh, mountains of food and free buyers obligatory cash present should at least cover the cost of you being there and that's definitely true we did speeches at our wedding and it was, it was an absolute disaster because we we first of all like people weren't expecting it second of all they went on for far too yeah. long and third of all we decided okay well let's get you know I'll do mine I'll say a sentence in Spanish and then say a sentence oh in English I know so the people who are bilingual were like having to listen to all of the speeches twice, twice basically and it went on and on and oh, on no, it was no, 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 it was no. a bit of a disaster on food and drinks they don't stop there's generally a cocktail round then a five-course sit-down meal followed by dessert and coffee or digestive course. After dancing, there is also a racena, which is like, which is like yeah. a midnight snack. Yeah. And drink-wise, George Shepard on Twitter suggests avoiding spirits or stronger drinks like gin and tonics because he says you'll get too drunk. Stick to lighter yeah. wines. Yeah, I think it's probably the least I've ever drunk at a party <laughs> at my own wedding because I just didn't want to, you That's know... It's a marathon. Yeah. But and I just as Lily said, you're there for... God, hours and yeah. hours. You don't want to peak 
and then you know my friend, wash up. <laughs> my friend Terry, she said, uh, don't eat all the aperitivo, which is the aperitivo is the sort of snack that they bring mm. bring round, uh, which is actually that's very good advice. You do need to pace yourself. She also said everyone wears sunglasses. She said bring comfy shoes in a bag because it goes on for a while. And the only Spanish you need to know is kissy bisin, kissy bisin, <laughs> which is for the bride and groom to kiss each other and que viven los novios, viva, yeah. which everyone shouts out during the dinner, which is uh, which is all a lot of fun. Depending where you are in Spain, there can also be traditional dances like the sequerillas manchegas in Castilla-La Mancha. Sometimes the groom's tie will be cut for good luck. Sometimes the, the cake is cut with a sword. Sometimes 13 gold coins are given to the bride from the groom or from from the family, symbolising Jesus and the 12 apostles. I've never heard that one. We definitely did the sword thing uh, mm-hmm. when we cut the cake and um, my mum was beside herself because I was basically pointing this sword into Russ's mouth. Oh my God, you're not supposed to serve it with the sword. No, no, you are. No, you are. You are supposed to serve it. Oh my God, you'll end up with a a wife that looks like the Joker. Exactly, (laughs) no, it was a pretty scary moment. But yeah, so that seems to be the general, the general advice is get your checkbook ready or, you know, do your, do your bank transfer. um, And yeah, and pace yourselves. (laughs) Yeah, but, but understand that you're paying for what will be a great party. Simon, would you please give us your media watch insights and news roundup for the week? Yeah, so uh, on the Euronews website, I was interested to see an old colleague of mine, Heather Galloway. She's written an article called Spain's Sex Work Crackdown Would Push the Issue Further Underground. We'll include this in our Twitter thread of interesting articles and links from this week. But really, this follows on from what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago on uh, our podcast about prostitution in Spain. And in this, uh, Heather has actually spoken to sex workers and uh, got their opinion on the proposed change in Spain. And as for the news in brief, an EasyJet flight was escorted into the Balearic Island of Menorca on Sunday by an F-18 fighter jet after a British passenger made a joke on Twitter about having a bomb with him. The plane had taken off from London and once it was in Spanish airspace, the military jet was launched to escort the flight, given the apparent bomb threat on social media. The young man who made the joke was arrested and spent the night in jail ahead of a court appearance. Deputy Prime Minister and Labour Minister Yolanda Díaz will today launch a new political party called Sumar. The Galician lawyer and politician is seeking to recover the spirit that saw the birth of leftist party Podemos nearly a decade ago, a party that recently has been struggling at the polls, as was seen at the recent regional elections in Andalusia. The launch of the new group comes in the same week that the governing Socialist Party and coalition party Unidas Podemos called a crisis committee meeting due to internal tensions over defence spending among other issues. And finally, Gay Pride Week is underway in Madrid but has not been without controversy. Madrid Mayor José Luis Martínez Almeida has not only refused to fly the rainbow flag from City Hall but also made it clear that he will not be attending any of the events at Orgullo 2022, which is one of the biggest Pride celebrations in the world. What's more, several concerts were cancelled by the local authorities with very short notice due to claims that they would be too noisy. The AEGAL Association said they always make it very difficult for us in reference to the Conservative-run local council and its handling of gay pride. 
I loved that the post office put up trolling. Oh, yeah. I love that. The post totally office is in the him. city hall building, and basically to sort of circumvent the uh, local council's refusal to put up the flag, stuck up the flag in their office. Okay, well, let's wrap it up there. Our fifth episode of La Portada podcast. This episode was recorded on July 8th in the city of Madrid. Your hosts were me, Lily Mayers, and Simon Hunter. And providing technical sport and armchair musings from afar was Connor Doyle. You can find us on all socials at La Portada Pod, and our Gmail is laportadapod at gmail.com. Please subscribe wherever you are listening. Give us a rating on your podcast app and tell your friends. Get the word out that there is a new podcast in town. Hasta la semana que viene. Hasta luego.